What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in, taking some time out of your day to listen to what we have to say. Now, I'm going to keep this quick because my computer has been giving me fits all night. It keeps freezing. It keeps cutting me off while I'm recording. It takes 30 seconds just to start recording. I'm over it. So I'm going to tell you what we're talking about. I'm going to tell you who we're talking with. I'm moving on. John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, my two main guys, they're with me to talk NCAA hoops, to talk NBA hoops. I'm saying Giannis versus Harden MVP talk, some playoff things to look out for, some rookie talk, some Brooklyn Nets talk. It's a whole lot of stuff, and that doesn't even count all the NCAA hoops. We're talking Final Four. We're talking Virginia, Texas Tech, Duke, the whole nine, some of the standout performances from this year's NCAA tournament. But without further ado, you know, you know what it is. It's it's Sports Blog New York podcast. It's on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And also, if you're a supporter of Team Left Jab Radio, you're the best too. Listen on Team Left Jab Radio Network. It's a great place to listen as well. They post on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Sports Blog New York podcast, Team Left Jab Radio. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, thank you so much for tuning in. We love to hear back from you, as you'll hear in just a minute. We got a new review the other day on iTunes Apple Podcast app. It kind of it touched me. It ha- it moved me a little bit. So I'm glad to hear from you guys. Always love it. So keep bringing the feedback. Hit me on Twitter at p kennedy. Hit me on Apple and iTunes podcast. Uh, I I just I just love nothing more than hearing from you guys after doing this show. So I told you I'm gonna keep this intro quick. It's time to move on. If you don't want to hear NCAA hoops, approximately 30 minutes, 35 minutes in, we're switching to NBA. Without further ado, we're back on the Sports Blog New York podcast in just a minute. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Joining me, my co-host today, the NBA Outsiders. We're back. It's been a minute. But I'm happy to have him here. And even though one of my co-hosts today, Frank Villani, would probably love to talk about the Mets, we're not going to be doing that today because, A, the Final Four was this past weekend, and the National Championship is Monday, tonight, if you're listening to this on Monday. And if you're listening to this on Tuesday, don't worry, just skip ahead a little bit. We're talking NBA because the playoffs are right around the corner, and uh, the regular season's coming to an end, which is a good thing because it started to get a little stale People started to realize these games are like, uh, they're not worth it. What are we doing? Let's get to the playoffs. But the playoffs are now here. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about, including the Giannis Harden MVP debate. The Nets, the Brooklyn Nets clinched the playoff berth. Exciting stuff. We have some really great rookie conversations to have when we're talking Luka Doncic, Trey Young, and so much more. And on top of that, we're going to give you some playoff appetizers at the end of this program today. It's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said before, my man, my main men, my two main men, John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, how we doing, boys? What up, what up, PD? How we doing, guys? I'm happy to be back. It has been a minute. It has been a minute, and uh, one of our listeners actually reminded us that it's been a minute with a very, very nice compliment that was also kind of a gut check or a gut punch, whatever you want to call it. And I really appreciate that. And shout out to to him, uh, Nick Mason sucks eggs. I don't know who you are, but that's what you titled yourself on iTunes and Apple Podcasts when you left a review on the Sports Blog New York podcast the other day. And in case you guys didn't see it, 
uh, Duff and Frank, if you didn't see it either. Basically, what uh, Nick Mason Sucks Eggs said to us via the Apple Podcast app was, he misses when this show was every week. So on one hand, gave us a compliment, because he likes the show. He wants the show to be on more, but then was like, yeah, what are you doing? Like, do episodes, guys. Like, come on. So shout, do, out, do shout out to him. I feel like this episode's dedicated to him, because I don't think we've had a Monday episode in quite some time, and it's long overdue. So, so thanks for that gut check. And now we're back on the SBNY podcast talking all things hoops. Hell yeah. Need a little fire under the ass. We need that. <laughs> That's it. You need, we honestly, I feel like I really needed it, you know, cause it's tough. We're busy people. We got a lot of stuff going on and, and with baseball back now and football officially ended with the drafts around the corner, there's so much stuff to talk about. We can't be slacking. We can't be putting in lackluster effort. Basically we, we acted like the stars in the NBA did, uh, these past two weeks and start, started taking rest games. You know, we started taking our, uh, load management into consideration. Load management month. This is March Madness. We, 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 yeah, we peel it back a little bit. It's all about March Madness for about a couple weeks, and, you know, we get right back on it. I would be disappointed in myself if I were a fan of myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Well, shout out to Nick Mason uh, or whoever you are who left that review. And if you like what you've been hearing, don't don't be afraid. It clearly it gets to us, and we appreciate it. We take what you guys say serious. We wanna we wanna put a good show on. We want to have fun. We want to talk sports, and that's what we're here to do. So let's get to it. So first off, we're gonna talk about this Final Four, some NCAA tournament from afar, and of course this national championship game coming on tonight between Texas Tech and uh, Virginia. So Virginia made it. It was quite controversial uh, to some people. To some, maybe not. So Duff, I'm gonna turn to you first as. You know, you might be the college basketball guy of this program. You're well-versed. You're a fan. And I know you were locked in on Saturday night. So run people through the situation um, who may have not seen it and then say why or why it was not controversial. So basically going down the stretch, Auburn and Virginia, first game Saturday night. Uh, hell of a game by both teams. It was it was really a lot of fun to watch for someone like me who's basically a neutral fan. Um Back and forth down the stretch. Again, Auburn goes up. I think they're plus two with under 10 seconds. They have two fouls to give. They foul. They foul again. And then they inbound the ball to Kyle Guy in the corner with one and a half seconds left. Puts up a three for the win. And he misses, but he gets the foul, right? So pr- probably everyone's seen this play on SportsCenter Instagram at this point. And the defender kind of got him with the body. It was really kind of just like a half-measured defensive effort and really a lot of indecision on his face. And he gets him with the body. It was a foul, in my opinion. I'm sitting there watching with someone who's not necessarily a big basketball fan or knows the game like quite as well as the three of us. And basically, it's like I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's a foul. That's a foul. And I just kept repeating it. And they're like, why do you keep saying it like that? I was like, because it's just so weird. Like, I don't want the game to end this way, but it's a foul. You have to call that. And I, I really give that ref a lot of credit for having the guts to do it. But Kyle Guy, he goes to the line. He knocks down all three free throws. And then the last second he from Auburn's no good. And and the game ends. And basically during the post-game interviews, Gene Steratore, the, the official, um, I, I don't know what to call him, like the analyst, the, the analyst the, for CBS the, comes the on and he analyst. says, excuse me? The rules analyst. Rules analyst. Thank you. He comes on and he says, uh, 
basically that there was a double dribble on one of the inbounds before the second uh, foul Auburn had committed when they had two fouls to give. And Ty Jerome, as he's dribbling up the court, trying to advance the ball while he knows a foul is coming and maybe get a, you know, kind of a heave up sort of to draw three free throws because he knows the foul is coming. Again, he, he seems rushed. He dribbles the ball behind his back off his foot. And then he picks it up with two hands and starts dribbling again. Defender did not touch the ball, makes it a double dribble. And I didn't notice it personally at the time. And I, you know, for Gene Steratore to say that, I was like, oh my God, wow. I didn't, I didn't even notice that. That was, you know, kind of surprising to me that I wasn't kind of totally focused in that moment. And I was weirdly okay with it because I kind of missed it. I was like, that's just kind of those are just kind of the breaks of the game sometime, and I really don't want to get hung up on that call because it it feels like we're cheapening the moment and we're really taking away from these kids. And I don't want to get wrapped up in the minutia that is officiating because look, believe it, believe me, like I'll complain about it every fucking game. It doesn't matter. It doesn't NBA, college, high school, middle school, elementary school. I will dog an official does not matter to me. And I really don't want the game to be remembered that way. So I was, it it sucks for those kids. And I really feel for Charles Barkley the most, like I really (laughs) feel very upset for my guy, Chuck. Um, but having said that, like, fuck Bruce Pearl. I'm okay with him wow. kind of getting the shaft on that one. He's, like, not a good guy. That's, that's strong. <laughs> I'm okay with that. That was strong. Uh, it's it's interesting because I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I didn't see that. And when the ball gets fumbled the way it did off his foot, you kind of it's not the first thing you think of is that, oh, that's a double dribble. The ball got fumbled, so you don't really mm-hmm. think about that. You think about him picking it up and starting to go. And I don't think anybody off the bat was like, yeah, double dribble clearly. But if we're talking controversy, I understand why some people would say that's like that's messed up. You screwed Auburn over. Like it was a no call. But when it comes to that foul in the corner on Kyle Guy, I am so with you. I didn't even think twice. So I didn't have that same exact thought uh, that you had, like saying, "Oh my God, it's a foul! It's a foul!" Because uh, you didn't really want it to happen. I was just like, "Wow, like that's that's a strong call, but that's definitely a foul." Like in my head, that was a foul. Clearly, that's a point of emphasis in the NBA in college like crazy over the past season or two, right? Yeah. And I walk yeah. in, I was actually at the fan, I'm working, I'm in a studio, I walk into the newsroom and somebody's, you know, hemming and hawing about how that wasn't a foul. It's like, oh, what's, he didn't even talk. Who hard, said that? Hardly touched him. Oh, it was him. just some random guy? Yeah, somebody uh, from my from my office at the moment was saying, okay. oh, he hardly touched him. It's a bogus call. You can't call that. What's, what's up with that? I was like, wait, what? I was like, that's definitely a foul. Like, are you kidding me? So I saw it and was like, that's definitely a foul. It really stinks for Auburn that that's how you're going to go out, possibly. But, like, that's a foul. And a foul's a foul. And like you said, 100%. shout out to the ref for calling that. I don't find that controversial at all. But it totally, no. totally stings when there's a double dribble that just got, you know, skipped upon. But I didn't see that double dribble either. So it made for drama. And then it made for some kind of anticlimactic moments at the very, very end. So it was such a huge moment. The game was fantastic. There was so much energy. And after the free throws, like, the game ends, and it's just like, oh, well, there goes that. Like, there's that. Like, it kind of took away from the dr- drama of the moment mm-hmm. just a touch, mm-hmm. and that's what stinks. Um, but it was definitely a foul, so I'm, I'm not really mad about it. Yeah, as a neutral fan, you kind of want that binary of, okay, they make the shot, they win. They miss the shot, they lose. And then when you get the free throws, it's anything. All right, 
they could lose, we can go to overtime, they could win, and it's really just a tense moment. And it's it's not what you're expecting in the final moments. Like you're not hoping for a foul on that last three point shot. You really want it to be like an epic buzzer beater or just an absolutely devastating defeat of a miss. Like just as a neutral fan, like you just want that that poignant moment, that that big dramatic finish one way or the other. And and the free throws, you know, every kid dreams about that shot, you know, you know. You're on the line with one second left, you know, less than a second left. No, no time left. You want that moment. And it just really was disappointing for me personally. But again, it's the right call. I'm okay with the double dribble miss because look, like I said, I'll dog an official all day. They make those mistakes all the time. And it's not really something that's totally egregious. Like the travel call that was called on Jimmy for in the middle of that game. If you, if you're, Suns game where he was dribbling up the court just clear as day and then they they call the travel after he goes all the way down the court um and also like it's not not something like that it's 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 like a very like in the moment high pressure situation where they're anticipating a foul from auburn because they have a foul to give so that's what they're focused on that's what they're thinking about that's what everyone's thinking about so even i I really I, i can forgive him for it the auburn players didn't even like turn around and be like yo yeah no one on the court was going crazy about it either nobody realized so it was it was a tough ending but it was i mean shouts to kyle guy for just being cold-blooded with those free throws that last one when it was tied 62 62 oh man he just first one's the the toughest every time it's all about the first one for me actually yeah personally no i'm saying it was 62 62 he took the ball one dribble boom he had no hesitation didn't think twice he was putting he shoots his free throws quick times at it so quick Love to see it. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and for anyone who, who doesn't know about the, the Bruce Pearl thing, why I said fuck Bruce Pearl, look that up. Look up Bruce Pearl wiretap or phone tap. Wow. Strong, Just strong. go ahead and do that. Very strong out of you early on. Just, you know, we know what college basketball is. We know these coaches, these schools, these programs, they're paying players. And we're, it's kind of like a unsaid, unwritten rule of college basketball, right? We're all okay with it as fans at this point. Like, please, by all means, pay the players by any means. And he basically got on a, on a wiretap with a player and was like, hey, how come you're not coming to our school? Why are you going to their school? And the player's like, oh, this coach is giving me, you know, this amount of money or this car or whatever. And then Bruce Pearl turned that information over to the NCAA to get the coach and the player in trouble. So, like... So we I can't guess, be snitching. So we I can't guess, be snitching in this game. I guess you don't have to Google it since you just told the story. <laughs> I told it. I couldn't hold back. Look up for details, more yeah. details about the schools and the exact amount of money that was said to be exchanged. I don't remember offhand, but wow. strong. Anyways, fuck Bruce Pearl. Uh, Duffy has some strong opinions. Uh, he's pro Charles Barkley, very anti Bruce Pearl, and now we know very. why. Now we know why. Uh, but let's talk more about this tournament at large, and then we'll get into some of this Texas Tech stuff and uh the matchup between Texas Tech and Virginia. So from afar, we have Duke. They were the big talk of the town coming into the tournament, even through the first two or three rounds, uh, with their flair for the dramatic, their close games, basically every round but number one until they lost. Um with their their clear number one and two or three prospects, depending on how you rank RJ Barrett. Uh what do we feel about Duke? Disappointments for sure. But is this come to expect? Is this what we come to expect when it comes to one and dones and betting on eighteen year olds and really expecting Coach K to continue to coach, even though that's his job? So when we look back at this Duke team and we talk about the tournament, we talk about Zion and R.J. Barrett. 
What comes to mind, Duff and Frank, for you guys? Like, what are we thinking about when we come to this tournament? I think the only thing in recent memory I can think of is like Zion. Zion's dominance kind of reminded me of Anthony Davis's and like how young that Kentucky team was. Um, so like I think it's possible, and I don't think Duke not getting all the way is like a direct link of saying you know like Zion not as good as Anthony Davis in college and not going to be as good because honestly I have no clue, um, and I'm not really here to debate that right now. But uh, I definitely think it goes to show, like, um, some of these guys are not maybe properly ranked. I think both the, the, the one and two guys on Duke were, were really good and showed out for the most part, even though, I mean, R.J. Barrett kind of, I don't know, disappeared at some moments. But overall, I thought he played pretty well and is still going to be a top pick. Um, but the third guy, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Cam Reddish. Yeah. A guy like that who was super highly touted coming into this season and ranked then, ahead of Zion in the in the ESPN like top one hundred recruiting poll for high school yeah, players. Yeah, like to me that's where where Duke really kind of you know missed their edge. Like they needed the third guy. I think if you're gonna have the young team that's super talented, you need to have more than just than more than just two of them, you know? Well they needed and, the shooter. Yeah, and I mean, I, I Which RJ Reddish Barrett, was supposed to be, and I, R.J. Barrett wound up being the shooter. And uh, I know, I, I don't know, I don't know his first name, but Jones, his, his older brother, is Trey. in the NBA. Yeah, Trey Jones was he looked good at the beginning of the year, but uh, from what I saw, um, he's purely defensive. That guy. Yeah, just very underwhelmed, honestly, from what I saw. From college him. defensive too. Let's be clear. He's yeah, not, yeah. He's not coming into the NBA as some lockdown defender. Yeah, he's definitely bigger than Tyus, which, like, thank God, can't get much smaller in terms of, uh, like, slider, I mean, as kind of like a thin NBA body, you know? Yeah. Tough defensively to, to try to hang with thicker guards like the Chris Pauls of the world. But, like, you'd want somebody like that to, to give you more. Like, they couldn't even, from the games I watched of Duke in the tournament, they just had trouble getting – Zion the ball in the post. He, he he kept having to come all the way out to the three-point line and facing up. And not that that's, like, a problem because, obviously, he has that in his repertoire. But, like, when he's going down the court and setting up in the low post with, you know, his arm up, he wants the ball. And they literally had nobody that was confident enough to make the pass over the top to get it to him. And mm-hmm. also they have no spacing, and that's really the key when it comes to this Duke team. They had no shooting, and you know, in the past couple of years, you really started to see college pick up some things of the NBA, but when you watch college ball and put it next to NBA ball, the spacing is the number one thing for me that just seems so different. And I think Duke, who's usually above the curve when it comes to spacing and having guys who can stretch the floor, this is just where they failed miserably. They had no spacing in a college game that's finally starting to make spacing more important, they just lacked completely in that department. And a guy like Taco Fall, who is not a real NBA player, uh, was able to give them so much fits. Like, that was the telltale sign that they were probably on their way out maybe sooner than we thought. And uh, clearly they just beat Virginia Tech by a hair, and then they got knocked out the next round by Michigan State. Uh, they could have lost. They could have lost US, UCF. Should have lost twice yeah. on they, layups. Yeah, they, they kept advancing on other teams missing. So which is right. like, I, I kept saying. I kept saying. To, to, I was actually watching those games with my mom. I was like, "You don't even like. That's not a good feeling to win like that. You know, like 
that's like the the relief win, like the oh fuck, yeah. that could have been so bad, as yeah. opposed to like the the elation you get, you know, like when the final final you know you got it in the bag, you're like yeah, let's go. Yeah, it's one of those moments where you kind of look around and you're just like, hey, you're better lucky sick. than good. Yeah, you're almost sick after that game. You're almost right. sick. Right. That's a good point. And it's just so funny to think about this this NCAA basketball season where Duke is just the number one storyline, the number one thing that comes to mind. Zion, Zion, Zion. And now it comes to the end of the tournament, and they're rightfully not in it. And even the team that beat them is now out. And we sit here with Texas Tech versus Virginia, which looks like it should be a pretty good matchup, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But before we do, I do want to touch on some of the other stuff that happened in this tournament, uh, whether it be a standout performance from an individual or a team that you really enjoyed watching. Uh, Duff, why don't we start with you? Give me give me something from this NCAA tournament that you're going to walk away from remembering when it comes to this, this uh, 2019 March Madness. I think the thing I'm going to remember from this tournament is defense wins championships. You think of Texas Tech, you think of UVA and the way they can kind of lock down on defense. And we hear it all the time, such a cliche, but we're actually kind of seeing it in motion in a, in a world where three-pointers and scoring is really dominating the NBA and kind of did in college basketball last year too with Villanova where they were just raining threes on everyone. This is kind of a shift back into neutral sort of. And I think in kind of a good way, it's like an, you know, an ode to – the humble beginnings of basketball, in my opinion. I don't know. This kind of might sound stupid, and it's not what the average fan wants to hear when, you know, the winning team might have, like, 55 points in this game. But I think it'll be uh, really exciting just to have two teams in the national championship who have never been there and who will have never won a championship, obviously. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to the big man matchup between um, Texas Tech and UVA, I think a lot of it's going to come down to D. Kite and Jack Salt on UVA. And um, just whether or not they can control the glass so they can have uh, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy kind of dominate the uh, the scoring load. And for Texas Tech, you really only have to guard two people. So I'm interested to see how that'll go. Um, and Jared Culver, he's going to have to get buckets. He really came up small, and they still won by 10 against Michigan State. So I'm excited to see how he'll bounce back. Um, and Ty Jerome, I think, is going to be like a sneaky good NBA prospect, kind of like Malcolm Brogdon-esque, okay. in my opinion. Another Virginia guy there as well. And, Duff, yeah. uh, just to stick with you before we hop over to Frank, any any specific uh, performer from this tournament that you, you kind of like, uh, you liked watching, you have some good hopes for moving forward? I think uh, John Morant was electric in his, uh, in his games during the tournament, uh, you know, they, they lost, they got blown out by Florida state, but he still had a tremendous game there and, uh, against Marquette, he dominated. So I, I'm, he's just such an explosive athlete and really gifted passer with a lot of great vision and confidence when it comes to working the angles of the court really kind of reminded me of D'Angelo Russell when he was in college and those kind of freaky bounce passes that, uh, D'Angelo Russell used to throw like across the court. I, I really see that with uh, John Morant when he's just whipping to corners just from opposite wings. It's really a lot of fun. I don't know if those angles will be there in the NBA, but he'll, he'll figure it out. I also felt like I saw that with Trey Young last year. Like He was making passes that were too good for his teammates. Like His teammates weren't ready or weren't in the right spots, and they just clearly weren't on the same level that he was, and that completely yeah. happened with Morant at Murray State. Uh, Frank, Good way to put it. 
Frank, for you, what's something that stood out in this tournament? Um, what stood out for me was um, P.J. Washington on Kentucky. I know he was hurt for a little while, um, but he came back and he played, I think it was in the Sweet 16 uh, and the Elite Eight, and he really kind of showed out in sort of limited minutes. They kind of played him, uh, you know, kind of gingerly, just watched his minutes real carefully because he was coming off of either a leg or an ankle injury. Um, but he still kind of balled out. I think he's definitely an NBA uh, prospect, uh, probably the best player from that team, which is usually latent with NBA prospects. So, uh, yeah, P.J. Washington. Yeah, he's, he's definitely boomed himself up to a lottery pick, in my opinion. And the only Kentucky guy who will probably go before him is Keldon Johnson, who's more raw. He's young. Uh, he's a freshman. Well, P.J. Washington's a sophomore. I like that. You know, in NBA draft circles, that can seem like it makes the world a difference. Will it? I don't know in this situation. I don't think it will. I'm kind of with you, Frank. I like what P.J. Washington added to his game in year two of his college career. Uh, another thing for me, I, just, I have to I have to shout this out. This guy was incredible for the first three rounds of the tournament, even in their loss. Carson Edwards for Purdue. He was fantastic. He was hitting incredible shots. You can tell when you were watching him. He was just having one of those moments where he couldn't miss. The defense could have been strong. Even against Virginia, uh, the guy, what's his name, Clark, he's the point guard for them. He was in the guy's grill, and Edwards making all these ridiculous threes. Even the one where he banked it in off the glass from the right wing late in the game. That dude was having a moment. He averaged over 30 points in a college uh, basketball setting. Like That is incredible. That tournament does not get told without the performance by Carson Edwards. So I had to shout him out. It's great when you when you have a guy and you're watching him and he shoots 19 threes. He should have shot more. Honestly, like there wasn't enough. Like he needed to shoot more for them, which is just like totally insane. But it, it was really like Steph Curry-esque in my mind. Yeah, he was absolutely having like, a moment. Every time someone else on his team took a shot, I was not disgusted but disappointed. <laughs> That's honestly a really good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. It was disappointing. Like, I, I, I just remember, it was like he, he must have had, I don't even know, like 20, 22 or twenty four in the first half, and it was pretty evident that he was like the only person confident enough on his team to take a shot, really. And uh, yeah, at that point, I was like, just let him shoot. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let him shoot. And he, he wound up with like forty two or something like that, right? Yeah, 42. 42 is 75 points in that game Sheesh. for his team. Just crazy. Just absolutely insane. Uh, but, you know, the tournament was really good. I think, you know, from a network perspective, which I may or may not have ties to, it's, yeah, shout out to CBS, uh, we kind of wish, you know, Duke was in this, right? Because they would just make that number bigger. They would make the hype that much bigger. But they did not deserve to be there. They didn't. There's no way to skin it. They were not yep. one of the best teams in the tournament, and it wasn't particularly close. So I think the best teams did make it. Maybe you can say Auburn got a little bit messed up. You can say Purdue got a short end of the stick maybe as well. But when it comes to Texas Tech and it comes to Virginia, they are two of the top teams coming in, and they're obviously the, the last two standing. Uh, I think Monday night's game is going to be a doozy. So let's go quick predictions here. How does the game play out, and who's your pick? I think the game, it's, it's going to be a race to – 55 points it feels like which is kind of disgusting but so it's not a race to 69 is what you're saying it's not it's not it's no longer a race to 69 
Bucks. It's a race to 55. Damn. This is maybe even 49. It's a race to 49. Shout out one Johnny Two teams, yeah. It's general rule of thumb in college basketball. It's a race to 69, but now it's a race to 49. And I think Texas Tech is the first team to get there. I think Jared Culver is going to have a nice bounce back, ba- ba- nice bounce back game. And I think Texas Tech is going to be flying all over the court. I worry about ball handling for uh, for UVA and and decision making with all the length that uh, Texas Tech has to force the turnovers. Um, I'll take over. Um, <laughs> UVA lost to a 16 seed last year, the first one seed to ever do that, and they almost repeated this year. They were they were down by like six or eight at half, and it was way closer than it has to be. And I just feel like that's so disappointing, and uh, I don't want them to win. Let's go. On I think they really. I think they found redemption though when they made it to. The- the championship game. They've never been this far in program history. I feel like they've really found redemption for that. I agree. Yeah, I... but like at the same time, you're a one seed. You're the first one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed. Like, I just feel like that shouldn't be a mental hurdle for them, and it was, and it disappoints me. That's all. Yeah. They... Hey, they cleared the hurdle though. They did. They may have nicked it with their knee on the way over the first hurdle, but after that, they've actually they've they've nicked every hurdle with their knee. They've nicked every hurdle, dude. <laughs> right? It's like very team of destiny vibe for a one seed. It's very strange. Get it out of my face. I don't Wait, like it. So there's there's two ways to look at this, and I I must add this. I think in college basketball, it may be the one sport, especially come March Madness time, where you don't really need to use that much rationale to make your picks and decisions. Right? Everybody's filling out their brackets. They've never seen 85, 90% of these teams play. They don't know 95% of the players. But you pick the teams because you're like, yeah, you know, I don't really trust Virginia. And you don't know why, but you don't trust them. And I, I didn't pick Virginia to go anywhere in any of my brackets because I, I couldn't trust them, right? Now they're yep. here. So you can look at it two ways. You can look at it that, like you said, Duff, that Virginia is that team of destiny, man. They're just squeaking by. They're winning by one point. They're doing this. They're doing that. Or you can look at it unscientifically and say – there's no way they can continue to win it this close. There's no way they can continue to be this lucky to get that call that they needed. Meanwhile, Texas Tech on the other side of the bracket has mostly just been showing the other team who's boss showing out so far this tournament. So I'm going against the grain on the Virginia. I'm going Texas Tech. I'm with you, Duff. It's a one-and-a-half point spread, by the way, so Vegas thinks this is a tight one. I'm taking the one-and-a-half points because we know what Virginia's done all tournament. Win late by one point, two points, you know? Even though against Purdue in overtime, they ended up winning by four or five. They They covered. They had to push it to (laughs) overtime to get there. So I think the luck runs out on Virginia. Great story for their bounce back. Uh, I could also see the great story that they lose to the 16 seed and then most of the same guys come back and they win it all. That's something else uh, that could happen as well. But I'm going Red Raiders, baby. Their defense is, is really strong. They're going to out-athlete. And Jared Culver is going to go over 16 points. I think he's going to have 18 to 20 points uh, and really show that he's the best player on the court. <laughs> I like it. I like it. They've, they've, hey, if you told me he had 10 points against Michigan, in the final four, I'd be like, wow, they lost by 20. They ended up winning by 11. So, and, and what you know what? Know? He did kind of come up big when it mattered most. He only had two that points at half. Dagger three. Two points at half, and he really showed out in the second half. So, good yeah. for Culver. We'll see how that game goes. And now we can welcome anybody who's listening on Tuesday or Monday, obviously, if you're just listening continuously here. But if you're listening on Tuesday and you didn't care to hear if we we're right or wrong on our predictions in regards to that Texas Tech uh, Virginia game. Now we're going to talk about some NBA. 
right? So Pete Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, Frank Filani here. The NCAA tournament was fantastic, but the NBA playoffs are now here as well. The last game of the NBA season will be played on Wednesday, April 10th, and the playoffs are around the corner. But first, there's this debate going on in the NBA. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. If you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, if you watch sports radio or sports TV, it's been the talk of the town. And it's this MVP debate. Yeah. And MVP, this, little, uh, this little trophy they call the MVP ex- trophy. Exactly. And the Ever MVP debate has included James Harden for three years in a row. And the MVP, well, no, no, three years in a row? Uh, four. Maybe no, four. No, no, it's actually, it's two years in a row. Three? But three of the last four years. That's what yeah. it is. So he's been ingrained in this MVP conversation. Last year he won it. The new challenger is Giannis. The new kid on the block is Giannis. So first off, somebody give me a breakdown where this race is at. How are we feeling? What are you hearing? Because for what I'm hearing is a lot of I don't know yet. And that's crazy to think with only two days left of NBA basketball in the regular season. I feel like what I see uh, mainly on Instagram and Twitter is a lot of hard and love. I do not, like, not that I see people hating on Giannis or anything, but I see a lot of people just, like, really widen that that hardened wave. And uh, I personally, I'm not, like, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to shit on James Harden in any way, but I'm definitely more on the, the Giannis train. Uh, I just feel like his style of play is much more entertaining. I like watching the Bucks much more than I like watching the Rockets. Specifically this year, uh, I feel like I enjoyed watching the Rockets last year. Um, I don't know what is so much different about it this year that I don't like. Um, but I just I feel like Giannis, you know, going up and being a freak and just being dominant. Um, I know Shaq talks about it all the time. Like, he calls him Superman now and stuff. And he's even said stuff like he's better than me and, and things of that nature. But, like, you know, I'm not even going to comment on that stuff. Just, like, in general, just, like, the eye test. Like, watching Giannis play is is fun. To me, it's like it's like nothing I've ever seen before, quite literally. And it's the same with Harden, but, like, the ISO ball sometimes, like, it lulls me to sleep. You know, he lulls his defenders to sleep. He also lulls me to sleep. So I'm going to stick with Giannis. No shade at my boy Harden. He's obviously doing stuff, you know, we haven't seen since, like, you know, Jordan averaging 30 in a season, so. Um, it's it's Giannis is shiny. It's, it's the great new thing in, in the NBA, right? So I definitely see where you're coming from, Frank, and I'm completely torn on this. I mean, I'm going to need the very, every last game, every last minute, every last shot to kind of make my decision here and milk it down to the wire and have some self-reflection. And because, uh, like, I really feel like my mind is telling me so like Giannis is he's only playing 33 minutes a game like that's some of the, the the craziest part of this he's only playing 33 minutes and that has to do with they're beating teams by like 10 points a game uh and he's averaging 20 27.7 points almost 28 points basically uh one and a half blocks one and a half steals six assists 13 rebounds and he's has an effective shooting percentage of 60 percent 60% effective field goal percentage, okay? He's shooting 57% from the floor. So this this guy is putting up freakish, freakish, freakish numbers. And, it, I mean, it makes sense, right? The Greek freak. So 
it's like 2000, 2001 Shaq, or it's like turn of the century. No one's seen a player this dominant. And I really appreciate the fact that Shaq is saying like on the record on and inside the NBA, like this guy is better than me. He's just as good as me, if not better. And I really like that carries a lot of weight. You think about Shaquille O'Neal, you think about kind of the bravado he has and to really kind of pass that along to Giannis. Like resistance when people used to call Dwight Howard Superman. Right. Yes. No great. Yep. Great point, Frank, like as dominant as he was. Yeah, a lot of people were like, what are you talking about, Shaq? Like, he is Superman. He flies. And Shaq was like, nope. But and Shaq was right. Yeah, to your point. Continue. I Shaq was 100% right. So so basically what I'm coming down to is my head says Giannis, but my heart says Harden. Like, I really can't believe that we're going to see a guy average 36 points win over 50 games. I think they're at 53 and 20 right now. 53 and 28. I'm sorry. 53 and 20. That'd be ridiculous. Um, 53 and 28 at the edge of the season, 36 points, seven and a half assists, six and a half rebounds. He's shooting 13 threes a game. Like we, yeah. Think about how crazy that was. Like to to think four years ago we would be saying, yes, someone's going to be a more uh, aggressive and volumeish three point shooter than Steph Curry. Be like, what does that even look like? Like what what is even happening? And the fact that he has he has like this. His version of the Kareem skyhook is now a step back three from 25 feet, and it's like the the amount of strength and balance you need to to do that on a consistent basis for 37 minutes a game is just uncanny. I I, I feel like it's an embarrassment of riches right now at the top of the NBA where we have so many guys who are putting up MVP caliber numbers, and it really comes down to two guys having just historically great seasons and. Not you know history doesn't always equal success, so we'll we'll see how it works out for Harden here down the stretch. I, I really feel like everyone, but th- this really holds like a this season will hold a special place in my heart for James Harden. And as someone who really didn't enjoy last season, like I, Frank, I, I personally wasn't about it. And then this year, the fact that he's been able to repeat it and really improve on it, from my perspective, I, I really appreciate it. I feel like last year for me it was like. And pardon my French, but it was literally like, oh shit, oh shit, like this guy, one on one is like, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like a, like I couldn't think of the right word. The the perfect word I guess is like unique or like one of one. Like you, you literally never saw it. Like it, the way he plays basketball to me, it's like, it's interesting, not necessarily fucking entertaining, which is like crazy to think of, but. Uh, I feel like he's playing chess out there while other people are just playing checkers. And uh, like you said, I mean, his numbers this year kind of speak to themselves. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a toss-up. It's definitely a toss-up. And the more podcasts and radio shows I listen to, the more people seem to just not know which direction to go here. Like, it's crazy. And if you've been listening to this podcast over the NBA season, like, everybody knows how pro-Rockets I have been. And it's because of him, obviously, right? So when they were the 14th seed in the Western Conference, 20 games into the season, and you guys were telling me that they were whack and blah blah blah, and I stuck by them. Yeah, they well, still whatever. <laughs> they're they're like a game out of the two seed, but whatever. Like I stuck by them because I knew what that man can do. And then with Chris Paul to be hurt for as long as he was, for Clint Capella to be hurt for as long as he was, and for him to go out there every night with PJ Tucker. As his second best player, pretty much through that stretch. Kenneth Farid. 
Kenneth Fareed. Shout out Kenneth Fareed. Kenneth Fareed is also like more or less out of the rotation now, but for those two weeks, he looked like such valuable minutes. Old that, Kenneth Fareed. That, that like points that kind of like points to the. Uh, I kind of said it earlier, but like we haven't seen the thirty-six points since Jordan scored. Like what? Like probably thirty-six as well. Damn, but, like um, thirty-five. Yeah, like there, there were guys on Jordan's team that would have like random All-Star years, and then like you'd never fucking hear about him again, and. To me, offensively, that's like a, an aspect that James Harden does a lot better than some other guys, like a la Russell Westbrook. Like, uh, he can elevate somebody else's play offensively just by like being there. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, and he he, he nobody puts somebody. So, he puts so much pressure on the defense to make decisions at all times, whether it be for them to attack him near the three point line or for them to uh, attack him near the hoop because he's so good at getting the ball to Clint Capella for easy dunks or getting the ball to P.J. Tucker in the corner. And now Daniel House is back, and he's looking like a real NBA player again. So there's two ways is to look Daniel at this. Daniel or Daniel? Daniel. Okay. It's spelled Daniel, but I think they say Daniel, right? I don't <laughs> That's know. very but, Name this, it. I had to clear it up no, good question for someone who criticizes us on Nico, Nicola versus Nicola. Yo- yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah, have some clarity. Do yeah. I criticize on Nicola versus Nikola Jokic? I don't even know which one it is. It's Nicola. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. You've called me out on this podcast for saying Nicola. I mean, it's calling you guys you out. have bullied me out of saying Giannis's last name. Well, dude, Frank, your attempt <laughs> at saying Giannis's last name is pathetic, dude. <laughs> so you don't even give a fuck. You say Atompoko. <laughs> That's literally what you said. We're not, we're not going there, okay? No, we're, we're not. We we're, ju- not we're not. We just <laughs> rein it in. Refocus. <laughs> we just went there. And Duff, you were saying Culver instead of Culver the entire time leading Culver. up to this podcast. Hey, look, I just sometimes have named. I just for the amount of times I watch that guy, you think I get a red? I just can't. I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. know what it is. So, anyways, back to what Anthony I was saying. Anthony Culver's in my head. <laughs> There's two ways to look at this, and it kind of circles back to two years ago here. So two years ago, James Harden was on the best team uh, in the in the Western Conference, right? With the Rock, was that two years ago when Russ Westbrook won Triple right? Yes, they had the yeah. number one record. Yeah, correct. Okay, so the Rockets two years ago they had the number one record, or they had the maybe second best record, but they were like also right behind the Warriors. I forget. Mm. Anyways, they had like they had something wins. They had sixty something. They were ahead of the Thunder. Way they were way ahead of the Thunder. They had sixty yeah. something wins. That's fair, and that's all we need to know right here. And mm-hmm. the Thunder had 47 wins. And Russell Westbrook, triple-double, first time since the big O, Oscar Robinson, the whole nine. We know how it ended. Russell Westbrook won the MVP. Looking back, I think more and more people have come to the side. Maybe that should have been Harden, right? So if you look at that now, that might say maybe this year it should be Giannis, right? Because people were taking away from the Rockets or from Harden during those years or during that year because his team was so good like oh the Thunder need Russell Westbrook unless they'll be a lottery team I used to argue yeah well the Rockets need Harden unless they wouldn't be a one seed they'd be a seven seed and that's the same type of spread right so if you if you take that argument to this year you had James Harden have to put the team on his back for them to stay afloat to go from out of the playoffs to solidified in the top four seeds in the West. But then you have the Bucks, who have one of the best point differentials in NBA history, and it's because of Giannis, right? He doesn't even have to play 36 minutes a game because he's dominating the floor both ends, offense, defense, might be a defensive player of the year candidate, and they're doing that well. So even though I'm like the biggest Harden guy around, we know we have our bet between uh, me versus the two of you with the Rockets winning a series in the playoffs. Um, but when I think about it like that, 
Like, how do we take away from Giannis for his team being that good when he is the most crucial part of his team being that good? Like, the Rockets may have needed every little inch out of Harden, but Giannis was so good that he got to chill because they were just crushing people. So it's really mm-hmm. tough, and it kind of brings me back to the Russ versus Harden from two years ago. Yeah, I, this is just an embarrassment of riches. Like, I, I'll just go back to that point because you think of two guys, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Joel Embiid is averaging 28 points and 14 rebounds. Nikola Jokic, 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 7.5 and assists. Neither of those guys are even sniffing the MVP conversation right now, which is just insane. It's just insane. Like, you think historically, any other year, those guys would be right in the thick of things. I mean, think historically, too. Russell Westbrook's on his third straight year with a triple-double. You'd think he'd be in the top five. He's not even in the conversation, and he never was at any point in the year. In even fact, his, his teammate shot, was closer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's your, it definitely lends to your point that there's just, like, what used to be statistical anomalies is, like, getting laughed at kind of by these guys i think people are starting to realize that you should just like be absolutely hammering your best player and just app like just crushing their usage rate and just feeding them and feeding them and feeding them because the best like a bad shot from your best players sometimes better than an average shot from your worst player yep i'd agree so i mean burn them while you can baby they're all gonna retire at some point (laughs) all right tips calm down (laughs) jesus right anyways all right since we're not gonna we're not going to go ahead and just make our pick right here, right? Because we're going to we're saying that we're going to take every single game. You know, Giannis might sit out the last game because his team is that far ahead. They already clinched the best record in the NBA. Harden probably going to play. They have a slim, slim. Actually, Denver just won tonight, so maybe they don't have a chance. Anyways, we're going to wait until Wednesday to make our final decision. But if I asked you guys this, how would you respond? What do you see more likely happening? Giannis? Um, how about this? Who do you see? This is the real question, actually. Who do you see more likely come up short in the playoffs or come up small in the playoffs to the point where, say, player X wins, the other player either proves that he should have won in the playoffs or proves that he didn't win? Is it, does that make sense as a question? There's a couple Did you repeat it? So basically, basically it's that. like, you know, some one of the guys can win and then prove that they deserved it in the playoffs, or they can win and come up short in the playoffs, or they can lose and come up bigger in the playoffs, or they can lose and prove Just a regular it. season yeah. award, and based on how they hand out the, the MVP now, is later in the summer, so we're not going to have but, you know the Dirk moment where he wins MVP and his team's knocked out in the first round. But we also had the moment thing. last year where it was Russ versus Harden, Russ versus Harden, and then they played each other in the playoffs. Or was that two, that was two years ago also? Two years ago. Two years ago. They played each other in the playoffs. The Rockets and Harden won, kind of proved it, and then Russell won the MVP. So, in in that, I mean, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but it's regular season award. So, That's what it is. Okay, so unless who, you want to implement you, a playoff MVP. No, nah, well, the, my question is, who do you expect to come up bigger in the playoffs or come up smaller in the playoffs, for that matter? To me, it's easy. Uh, it's just the way they play. I mean. It's much more likely you see Harden have like a two for thirteen from three game, or you know something along those lines. Then you see Giannis just like not do anything, because he can impact the game kind of like we said in so many ways. Whereas Harden this season more than others is kind of just putting the ball in the hoop. Yeah, needs to score to have the impact for his team. I think Giannis has the 
more greater likelihood of having that bigger effect in, in the playoff race just because a he's in the east b he's more dynamic in how he affects the game like frank's talking about um in terms of rebounds and defensively so you know he can score 15 points and be the best player on the floor because he can grab 20 rebounds and have seven blocks and really just kind of dominate around the rim so i think Giannis is the pick for that question i think the bucks are just more likely to have a deeper playoff run than the rockets and that's just kind of the lay of the land that's the way we do playoffs east west it's just gonna, how it is i'm gonna make a call right now right before pete hops in with his pick uh brooke lopez gonna have a 40 40 point game this playoff 40 point game <laughs> 40 point game from brooke lopez is coming I Splash love, mountain baby. i love how aggressive that is but i'm in i'm all in <laughs> all right so, so I'm, you're just banking on him making 12 threes in a game that's what it is a hundred percent no more than that. So, if you guys are the Bucks and/or the Rockets, uh, who are you more scared of in round two? Bucks more scared of the Celtics, or Rockets more scared of the Nuggets and/or you know Spurs or something? You know. I don't know. That's a good question, actually. I think Rockets more scared, or personally, because the the Bucks almost beat the Celtics last year. Took them to seven games. That's a different exactly. an accountant so why, as their head coach. But you gotta say why are they scared? The, the They're not the, the Bucks aren't scared, that's what I'm saying. I the, say the Rockets Oh, you're be. saying the Rockets are more scared. I got you. Yes. Okay. Yes. The, the Celtics were a different team, dude. They they had Oh, uh, they might have been better last year. They were better in the regular season, but when it comes to the big time, is this Kyrie Irving mean nothing? Like what? Come hey, on. Hey, right come now on. you gotta prove it to me. You're in prove it to me. That's what it is. And pro- saying, yeah, what have they, you done for me lately? They should have won 65 games this year with all the talent they had, and they didn't come anywhere near it. So it away. Exactly. They got to prove it. You got to prove it to me. So you're basically, you, you're, I'm not giving them the benefit of the if doubt. I'm, if I'm the Celtics, I'm afraid. I don't want to even see like the Nets, bro. Get get me out of that. Come on. You guys they want to play the Sixers outrageous. in every round. You guys are yeah, being crazy. Seriously. So you're telling me the Celtics <laughs> need to prove it. Meanwhile, the Nuggets, who no, have never even been no, no, in the no, playoffs, no, no. you said like Nuggets, Spurs. You were like kind of just like well, whoever. just because I don't, I don't, I don't want to assume the Nuggets are going to win the first round. Yeah, no, I have actually very little faith in the Nuggets. As, so you're going to say that you're more scared of no, so the Nuggets than the, I, than the Celtics? I didn't make my choice yet. I was just you know kind of gassing Duff up. I like this points. That's all. Sheesh. So what? You, so what's your pick then, bro? Put your money where your mouth is. I don't know, man. I guess I would have to say I'm I, I'm more confident in the Bucks than I am the Rockets, so I'm going to have to say I guess I believe in the Rockets' opponent more. Fair enough. Fair whoever enough. Whoever it may be. Because I'm not even going to bank on it being the Nuggets, kind of like you said. It's weird. Right. So fair enough. All right. Well, we got to move on. We got to talk about some stuff. Uh, let's do some, some quick pod in-house keeping right here. Do we have time to talk about the Nets right now? 100%. We always have time to talk right, about the We have Nets. time to talk about the Nets. And then after that, we might have to skip our rookie conversation. Or maybe we'll skip our playoff. No, no we got to skip the rookie conversation. Maybe we'll touch on it super quick. Because I want to talk about some playoff appetizers later. The little, little things to think about. Some stuff to keep your eye on. But it's important to shout out the Brooklyn Nets. The D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Jarrett Allen... Ed Davis, Jared Dudley led Brooklyn Nets. Clinched. Clinched. Led by Kenny Atkinson. Thanks, Frank. 
clinched a playoff gotta, spot. Gotta show him some love. It's my coach of the year, brother. Last year, two years ago, we looked at the Brooklyn Nets as one of the most hopeless teams in the NBA. No draft picks of worth. No superstars. Nothing to really hang their hat on. And now they've clinched a spot in the playoffs. Is there a more impressive front office, I don't even know what to call it, saving grace than the Nets have pulled off over the past couple of years? This is like reversing the sinking of the Titanic. Like, I don't even know what to say. It's just so incredible what they've done. It's been so exciting to watch them all year. They've been so much fun. Like, this this has been, like, the by far, to me, the most exciting team to watch in the Eastern Conference. Like, the way everyone was, you know, fanboying about the, the Kings as the league pass team of the year. Like, the Nets have been every bit as good, if not better, than them in terms of entertainment. And you get a little bit of everything. You get some kind of... You get some veteran redemption with like Spencer Dinwiddie and even like Jared Dudley in these last couple of months has been so, so good for that team. I know it sounds like ridiculous and kind of come playoff time that scares me, but just as a fan watching these games, it's been so fun. And then you get the young guys, you get Jared Allen, you get D'Angelo Russell, obviously, and you get it from every single facet of a young budding superstar in D'Lo. You get the veterans doing their job. You get... Joe Harris has like the X factor, absolute lights out three point shooter. That just every time he touches the ball, you want him to put it up. It's been so exciting on every level for me, just as like a pure basketball fan. Who's not even a Nets fan. Didn't expect. I mean, people were saying playoff for this team. I really couldn't see it, but you know, things kind of go your way. You get the, the wizards have some injuries. They trade some guys and, the Heat weren't as good as they were supposed to be, and the Pistons weren't as good as they were supposed to be. So now here you are. You can, you know, as they say, you can only beat the teams put in front of you, right? You can only handle the situation that's given to you, and they've executed on it beautifully. And I, it's really been just such a joy to watch. This is kind of the feel-good story of the year for me. I, I agree. Um, I don't know why, but I've been, like, very – uncharacteristically enthusiastic about the Nets team like the past two years I'm pretty sure it's actually like documented in our over-unders I'm pretty sure I've smashed them as my lock over in the both both of the last two years I don't know so much this year I know I did the first year we did it um but either way I don't know why I just like Kenny Atkinson and his brand and the kind of culture he was building there and it surprises me still that they made the playoffs, you know, even though I say all that stuff, I was kind of like fluffing it up. Um, but my other point too is going to be you know, something you brought up not too long ago, Duff, actually is like last year we had a conversation about who would be an all-star first, Jalen Brown or D'Angelo Russell. And I said D'Angelo Russell and I totally forgot about it. And it like wound up coming to be fruition. And to be honest, like, I didn't even believe that he could be an all-star. I just also didn't believe that Jalen Brown could be. And, like, you know, at the beginning of this year, I feel like fair, a lot of people, fair. including myself, were not even counting him in the equation, you know? Like, when we were talking about Nets' best player, we were talking, like, oh, who's the cornerstone pieces? Karis Levert and Jared Allen. I don't really remember anybody saying D'Lo. And, like, he has ascended, like, so much this season and obviously like you know being in the tri-state area i'm not from brooklyn or i'm you know i'm not in brooklyn a lot but like you still kind of feel it like residually like this guy's kind of 
becoming a star in New York City. Like, it's cool to watch. It's yeah, and cool I to totally forgot to mention Karis LeVert as like the feel-good comeback injury story where someone looks like they have just like a career-altering injury and boom, they're back in like three months. And it's great. And it's great to watch him just like with his team and to feel great about that situation. It's, it, it really is amazing. For sure. I mean, he has the ability to take over games. His passing, I think, is underrated at this point with his shot making ability, with his floaters that he hits. Kind of forget how great he is at moving the ball uh, to shooters uh, across the court, bounce passes to cutters. Uh, he he You're really. You talking about D'Lo or Levert? Uh, D'Lo. I'm talking about D'Angelo Russell. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah he, his passing has almost become underrated, which was at one point, you know, when we're talking about his draft status. That was my favorite thing about D'Angelo Russell coming out of Ohio State was his passing. The way he's been able to hit floaters, the way he's been able to hit tough threes and just put crazy arc on the ball has just been so incredible to watch, and he's able to take over games. He really is. I, I mean, there's the times... There's times where... Sure. What's up? He's got ice in his veins for damn sure. Exactly, and there are just times where... You never think of one of his shots as a bad shot. I know this is a lofty comparison here, but you know when you're watching Steph Curry and he takes an absolutely ridiculous three and it misses? You're like, well, you know, he can make that shot, so you're not really mad about it. D'Angelo Russell has ascended to that place where he takes almost any shot on the court and you go, honestly, I'm not really mad about it because he can make it and I've seen him make it and he does it late in fourth quarters as well. I've just enjoyed watching him so much. And Dinwiddie's been banged up. Levert obviously had an injury. Um, Joe Harris and D'Angelo Russell deserve some some sort of award. I don't know what it is. But those dudes have just been the glue to this team, keeping them above the water. And uh, they clinched the playoff spot not at the end of this, not at the last game of the season. So you know, with some room to to spare there. So some breathing room. Exhale. Super duper go out, fun. Come on, go out Sunday night. But Feel I'm, good about yourselves. No games tomorrow. I must ask though. Right now, they're facing up against the Sixers. Is there a matchup that you'd actually like for the Nets to have a puncher's chance, or at least for them to bring it six or bring it seven, like the Pacers may, uh, maybe did last year against the Cavs? Is there a team there, if you're the Nets, that you kind of would rather see? Uh, yeah, the Celtics. And that one's the most unlikely. So... <laughs> I know, I know it's, it's not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, the Pacers. <laughs> but like, this is the purely hypothetical world. I guess the Pacers, too, yeah. But I think I think like storybook kind of deal, like right, like oh my god, the Celtics absolutely, you know, I won't use the word I'm thinking of, uh, the Nets in that trade, they're done, they're <laughs> absolutely done, and then like you know everybody's talking about how good the Celtics are coming into this year, and nobody's talking about the Nets, and then when it comes comes time for all the marbles, the team that puts this underperforming mess of a Celtics team out of its misery would be that team that they did that word that I won't say, you know? I agree. That that would be so many, so, so many layers to that matchup. It would be fantastic. I really wish it wasn't the Sixers. I really wish we could get it to be the Celtics. I, you know, it's, it's so tough because both the Nets and the Sixers, I really, really enjoy both those teams. Like, you know, obviously I'm, I'm Sixers Stan. I have been on this pod for a while now, but it's sad to say that one of these teams has got to go out of the first round. It is. It's tough. I mean, it's going to be the Nets, realistically. But yeah. the, the fact yeah. that they're 
I'll be at one of those games. I'll 100 percent be at one. I'm definitely gonna try and book be it here as well. Book it right now. Hey, if you think if you... about it, the Nets could have done the Sixers a favor by knocking out the Celtics. 100. Yeah. percent For real. Hey, if you know what, if you're listening to this podcast and you're going to a Nets playoff game, yo, hit us up. Hit us up, man. We'll, we'll freaking meet up. We'll do some drinks or something. I don't know. But it, it's it's gonna be electric in Brooklyn. Uh, New York's probably not probably. New York's really thirsty for some real meaningful basketball. And I know the Nets are not the Knicks, even if they are having a fantastic season. Even if they were the three seed, they're just not the Knicks. It's not MSG. Mario Hazonia dropped 30 tonight in MSG, and the place was going bananas. Like, <laughs> Madison Square Garden was going crazy for Mario Hazonia dropping 30 for their 16th win of the season on the third to last day of the season. Okay? That's all that needs that's to like be said. Bizarre, that's like a bizarre world statement. Exactly, and that's all that needs to be said. So the Nets, though, will bring some real energy to New York. I love it. I look forward to them. Hopefully they show out. If they go five or six, that's not bad. But if they can – I mean, six is actually really good. If they can go six or seven against any of these teams, what a great success. And what a building block to set forth with. I mean, a nice another draft pick. They have tons of cap space. Hopefully they can recruit some free agency. Uh, and free, some hey, free man. agents here. Brooklyn's and we'll in New see. York too. All this KD to NY, right? Yeah, well, you know, just, it's not. I, I'm, just <laughs> saying, I'm just saying. Let's not uh, get our hopes up too high. Anyways, the Nets are super fun, and we're gonna look at them in the playoffs and see how they perform on the biggest stage, and see how D'Lo specifically performs. Because something is really sneaky here with with D'Angelo Russell, up for a new contract come this summer. The Ooh. Nets are having the money to spend. Do they want to spend it on D'Angelo Russell? You it, gotta max him out. It you becomes gotta, gotta. very. <laughs> I mean, this year might have been a bit of a mess. Yeah. If you let him walk after this year, you might as well just give up. You can't do it. You're in a tough spot. You can't let him walk. I mean, like these percentage on these floaters might be in raise, but like you, you see someone with that talent, and you got to say, you know, he's showing me something. We're winning. He's he's. Bought into the system. There was a time he was not playing crunch time earlier this season. He just wasn't. It was all about Dinwiddie and Levert. Yep. It was all about Dinwiddie and Levert. Levert goes down. D'Lo's got to step up, and he did that. And you got to give him credit. You really, you really got to give him credit for that. They've found ways to win close games and really put themselves in a situation where they have a legitimate chance in the playoffs. Why not? Why, why shouldn't they be thinking they can win? If they can, if they can bring in an all-star wing. I mean, I love Joe Harris. Don't get it twisted. But if they can bring in an all-star wing. That team's pushing 50 wins next year, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. let's, let's move on, though, because I want to talk about one more thing. Um, and should that be, I'll ask you guys quick, should that be the rookie conversation, or should we give some playoff uh, tummy ticklers here? Give me playoff heat. I can give you rookie of the year conversation right now. Uh, Luka Doncic, thank you very much. Ooh. Uh, playoffs. I'm with you. I'm I'm there. I'm with you. We're as all well. on the same page on that one. Some serious recency bias. Like, all right, Trey, Trey Young's been, like, on fire the past month and a half, but... Come on, you, like really, I'll you, like. I'll give you another angle on it too. All right, Trey Young, get another haircut and we'll talk. <laughs> just take it down, man. Take it all the way down. Yeah, Three, four. I'll just say something. this too. Let me add this, and we'll move on to our little playoff appetizer uh, dish here. Trey Young, fantastic. Yeah. Luka Doncic was fantastic when every game, all the teams were trying to win. Luka Doncic yeah. came in the beginning of the season, the whole first half of the season, plus. Even still now, he's still doing really well when he's playing. Uh, and he showed out when every team was still trying to win all the games right off the bat. Twenty, He's averaging 20 points, 
what six rebounds, six assists. Like he is just and incredible. They traded, they traded his boy. Him and DeAndre definitely had a lot of offensive chemistry. Absolutely, and you know mm-hmm. like that definitely led to that second half decline. That team was not as good. They traded. And they didn't want to win. To be honest. Teams. Yeah. No. For sure, they didn't. So um, I don't. Know, I, I definitely I, I like that point a lot. Uh, not something I thought of personally. And shout shouts Trey Young though. I mean, he's been so fun. He's been incredible. He's putting the ball in the hoop. He's making his teammates better. He's an incredible passer. But it's Luca's rookie of the year. He won it two months ago. You don't just come back and say, "Oh no, you know what? These games that like no one cares about." Yeah, that's actually going to put Trey Young back over the top. Nah, that's not how it works. Sorry, Trey, you're fantastic, but no. And last thing on rookies before we move on, put some respect. On Mitchell Robinson's name, because yeah. if we're talking basketball reference, the site, the website we all know and love. If you're talking win shares on basketball reference, did you know? Give me the win shares. Give me number two in the rookie class, Mitchell Robinson. Hey. Also, I saw something. He's in an, a pretty elite class when it comes to to rookies and blocks per game. Yes. I don't remember all four of the other guys that were in there, but I know one of them was David Robertson. Mm-hmm. It's David, uh, it's David Robinson. It's Manute Bowl. It's it's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's 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 big name guys. So you know, obviously, you you love to see when your boys in good company. And he sure. he can throw down a lob with the best of them. Sneaky, not bad touch. His free throw shooting has improved. He wreaks havoc on the defensive end, and the analytics show it. Uh, he's been the most exciting thing about the New York Knicks since he started playing consistent minutes after his injury. He's played, I think he missed almost 20 games this season, and his win shares are still higher than Trey Young, higher than Luka Doncic. The only person he's behind is DeAndre Ayton, who's sneaky is averaging a triple-double on a horrible, I mean, triple-double, sorry, averaging a double-double on a horrible team, and uh, definitely has a, a bright future ahead. But Mitchell Robinson in less games is right there with DeAndre Ayton with the top win shares in this rookie class. Yeah, I mean... You redraft, and it's pretty clear he goes he goes way higher than where he went. You, we'd say, we, we would have to rewrite the song Mo Bamba. I mean, like, that song may not yeah. exist. Oh. If, Mitchell Rob- <laughs> if Mitchell Robinson goes to Texas. Great point. And Mitchell st- <laughs> Robinson. No. It's not bad. It's not bad. All right, let's do this thing here. Let's talk about a team, a player, whatever you want. Uh, let's go rapid fire around the room here. Um, playoff appetizer something that you are making sure you're locked into your television when this team or this player or this series is on screen what is on your mind duff what's on my mind is it's it's i mean other than the nets sixers other than that one i'm gonna give it to i think the Nuggets and the Thunder. I think I'm really excited for that match. Oh, let's also quickly add, before you tell me why you want to watch the Nuggets and their opponent, let's also add there could be some shifting with the uh, matchups, just some slight stuff. You know, Thunder go from 7 to 6 or 6 to whatever. So take the matchups with a grain of salt, but continue. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't matter to me. Like, whatever. There's If it shifts, it shifts, but this is the one I want to see. I want to see either the Thunder versus the Nuggets or the Thunder versus the Rockets. I think the Thunder are really just kind of the X factor. Paul George was so electric in the in the first two thirds of the season. He had that shoulder injury that's really really hampered his shooting numbers and ha- has been like such a huge detriment to the to the team that was 
like if you had asked me three months ago, it would have been an absolute lock to win 50 games. I would have laughed in your face for even asking me the question. But it, I think in the playoffs, it's a, it's a different story. They get a few days off. They can get some guys right, hopefully. And then it's a completely different dynamic. And you look at a team like who have not been there. A lot of those guys haven't been there before. Millsap or Isaiah Thomas, a couple guys like that who have been there. But, you know, Jokic, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray – the kind of big three for that team it has never been to the playoffs before. And, you know, Russ has been to the finals. Paul George was battling with LeBron James and, and when he was on the Pacers. And they had a really devastating defeat to the Utah Jazz led by the rookie Donovan Mitchell last season. So I think this is really, really a big statement matchup for both of those teams. The Nuggets, who got bounced in the very last game of the season last year and for, from the playoffs got bounced and the Thunder, who got like just embarrassed by the Jazz. So I think this matchup really has a lot of important implications for them that are, go beyond just the basketball that's on the court. Uh, I kind of hate you because I kind of wanted to mention that, but I just want to you know make a quick build off of that. I feel like you know, you're referencing last year's bounce to the Jazz. That's not the only time that's happened to this team. Um, the Grizzlies did it a couple of years ago, too. And I feel like a lot of it kind of goes on Russell Westbrook. And, like, I guess we can kind of bill him as a consistent player, right, because he's got his triple-double for the last three years. But um, there's a difference between, you know, like, Russ when he's clicking and Russ when he's just, you know, getting numbers. It's, like, there's a visual difference. Like, you can't tell on paper, I guess. But uh, the 2020 game kind of like leading up into this playoff run, I think was just like a pretty huge thing. It's different than just, you know, your average triple-double, which to him is just an average triple-double, which is crazy. Um, I kind of love that. I was going to kind of watch them. Uh, Besides that, I guess, though, I'm going to go with Portland and specifically Dame Lillard. Uh, I know they're hurting right now, uh, and they have a terrible matchup. Uh, I think, you know, in my mind personally, I think they really struggle against a team like the Jazz who have a fucking room protector like Rudy Gobert, who's easily a defensive player of the year, uh, you know, any of the last four years, probably five years maybe. I don't even know. Um, I'm so interested to see what Dame Willard can do because they've been so disappointing in the playoffs, and I'm a big fan of him specifically and kind of that team in general too. I know – uh, us three have talked about this before, but, you know, being on the league pass, we get to watch, watch a lot of different broadcasts and stuff, and some of them are very disappointing. I won't mention names, but one that just stands out as really good is the Portland Trailblazers. I never get tired of listening to their crew call a game. So if they can get deep into the playoffs, I'd love to hear those guys call games until, you know, until well, on the national scale. I hate to burst your bubble, but uh, all of the playoff games are on a national, national scale. So, you well, know. they should let those guys still do it. They're so, good. They're so good. No, but I feel you, though. They I mean, are great. They're one of the league pass, like, treats. That the we weird... listen to, like, Pacers or the Bucks, like, ugh. Yeah. But the Blazers are actually good. I wasn't going to name names with a Thunder. I'm, named, I'm naming names. is nearly unwatchable, my mans. It's ugh. so bad. Oh. The Pacers stand out for me too. Pretty rough. Oh, they're so, so bad. Good. They're so good. The uh, not the sorry. The, I thought you said uh, Portland. Portland's so good. I'm the only freak who actually listens to radio broadcasts. But I'll tell you what, the play-by-play guy for the Jazz on radio, 
Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. You're mental for this. <laughs> Slightly problematic at this point. I might have a problem, but you know what? I'm in the car. I got a game I'm interested in. I throw the radio broadcast game, on. What do you want from me? But wait, hold on. I have a question about this because I was actually thinking similarly to you, Frank, just on the other side of the coin with Portland. I'm thinking about Utah. Utah has won 12 out of 13. They're just crushing people over the past month of the season. They're they're dominant. They're dominant, and they're likely going to be matched up against Portland in the first round. If you're Vegas, who's favorite in the series? Who do you say is more likely to win the series if you're setting the odds, Portland or Utah? I think it's I Utah. Mean, what what's the season series too? Because I'm I mean no blue. don't it doesn't even matter because there's no Nurkic. Throw it out the window, baby. C, no, but CJ you, is still you hurt. Say that, but even with Nurkic, I'm pretty sure the Jazz won at least three of them. Well, then so. there you go. Then that's even yeah. that's even better. So Utah obviously had the weird like 500 start where Portland just stayed strong and has been top of the uh, West the whole time. But then, I mean, Utah has just been incredible in the second half of the season, kind of like they were last year. Gobert has been just a wrecking ball on offense and defense. Donovan Mitchell's back to that that spot, and they're yeah, not Donovan afraid of the moment. And you know, yeah. Dame, the funny thing about Dame Lillard is he had that huge playoff moment early in his career when he hit the game winner to send Houston home. Uh, yep. But since then, they haven't done too much. And Utah they haven't done anything. They've got two first round bounces to teams at their higher seeds. Then right, and Utah just has no back down in them. And Joe Ingles is, you know. A beast Savage. in the playoffs. He'll, he'll Joe, get in your Joe face. Joe Ingles is all NBA, like, from a fan perspective. Like, everybody loves Joe Ingles. He's one of those guys you watch him play, and you're like, I can do that, man. I can <laughs> do that. But you, you no. can't, but you, you definitely like can. can. Definitely He's can. like if Brian Scalabrini was good. <laughs> <laughs> He's like that guy at the gym that's just running all day and beating everybody. And you're like, yeah, how? It's like, how is this guy staying on the court right now? How? This guy looks like he can't even walk straight. But he, you know what he reminds me of? Pete, Pete. You know what he reminds me of? Shout out to this guy. Boris Diaw. No, 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 no. From TCNJ Pickup. Oh, wow. Deep cut. Who? Scott Wagonblast. Scott Wagonblast. Lefty. Dude, Scott Wagonblast been on this podcast, so it's not that deep of a cut. Dude, I know, I know, I know. But, but like, that's a that's like a t- <laughs> That dude got buckets. Oh, my God. He didn't miss. Oh. Pulling up from way deep, Scott Wagner. But that's like a dude. He would walk in the gym. He'd just be like, all right, I guess this guy's going to run a little. You know, we'll see how he does. And then he would just dom- he would dominate. Like, it was it was insane. He used to pull up from, like, 40. It didn't make any sense. It was pretty ridiculous. Shout out to run up the score. Turn around 15-footers, like, fading every which way. Shout out run up the score fantasy football podcast. Host Scott Wagonblast, dude. Also, like, just sneaky, just doing all the right things. Make that slip pass. Run the pick and roll. He could do it all. Joe Ingles and Scott Wagonblast. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, my next thing that I definitely want to make sure I keep an eye on um, is Kawhi Leonard. And I think that's perfectly to Kawhi Leonard's personality. That even though they have 57 wins and he's missed, like, 20 games sneakily somehow, like, we're just not even realizing we're not paying attention enough to the Rockets and it's crazy. So I need to reiterate that Kawhi Leonard has carried a team to the finals. He has won an NBA championship before and he has a great supporting cast, a supporting cast who does not have final success, but between Kawhi and spicy P Pascal Skiakum, they got a lot of talent and they may be sneaky in line for a quiet, run through this Eastern Conference. I need to make sure people have an eye on Kawhi because this free agency is pending, but this team right here, right now, 
might be in the NBA Finals. I love that. I can't. I can't get hurt again. I can't allow myself to believe. In the Raptors or in Kawhi? The Raptors. The baby dinosaurs. I kind of. I kind of. I disagree. Like this is the first year in the past three where I'm kind of like, fuck it, let's go, let's go Raptors. I honestly wasn't even thinking about it until you said it. Uh, I love that. That's point. my point. Yeah, I love that. Um, the craziest thing too to me, I want to add to that about just Kawhi and Toronto and the Raptors in general. I feel like the fans and even the front office there is handling him with such baby hands because they want him to come back. Like Kawhi can murder somebody and everybody there would be like, he's still going to sign, right? Like, <laughs> right? I mean, we're still going to even the max, right? <laughs> we got. I mean, we got to max him out, right? He's got to pay for those lawyers. Yeah, we got to do it. I could just like honestly see that being a thing. Like they want him so bad, like anything goes. I don't know. I don't Sorry. know where to go with that. <laughs> they're going to offer him prime minister next year. That's going to be prime minister contract. of Canada, Kawhi Leonard. Still, still, still signs with the mayor Clippers. of Toronto. <laughs> still signed to LA. He's like, actually, yeah. actually still uh, goes the Clippers. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept the political position, but. Uh, I'm taking my I'm talents out. to LA. <laughs> I'm moving to America. I'm coming. I'm coming home, America. That'd be a power move. Uh, run, run Canada from America. Yeah. It'd be the most Canadian thing ever. <laughs> the most beta Canadian move of all time. Only Kawhi could pull it off. Only Kawhi. <laughs> That's great. Anything else stand out to you guys? Um, I mean, I'm interested as as like just X Factor. Like, I don't know what the fuck is gonna happen. Teams. Uh, I'd have to say. Probably the Clippers in the West. Just mm-hmm. like, all right, you guys did in the regular season. I have no idea what to make of you. Like, solid team up and down. But I think doesn't have that X-Factor superstar that can really, like, put you put like, put like you over the top at the end of games. I mean, I guess it would be Lou Williams, and he's proven to do that in the regular season time and time again. But that playoff responsibility is, is really up there. And then the Celtics, for all the reasons we need. The underachieving, the amount of talent they have, and... It's a different story than it was last year, so I'm interested to see those two teams in particular. Yeah, uh, the Clippers. I feel like we can we can throw their pizza party. They're done, you know. <laughs> That's cool though. Is it one two three? Can't. Yeah, but you know, like my point, pizza party's not that bad, you know. Better than going home. No one know, hates a pizza party. Pizza's great. Better um, than no pizza. Exactly. Um, I guess other things to watch. Uh, I kind of, I kind of want to see the Bucks play the Sixers really bad, and I want Eric Bledsoe to throw the ball at Joel Embiid again. Like I, I want, give me like, I usually kind of shy away from some NBA drama because I just feel like it's so stupid. Uh, but at this point in the year, I feel like it gets kind of real. Like last yeah. year when Terry Rozier was wearing the Drew Bledsoe jersey, and it like really got in uh eric bledsoe's head like i give me all the give me all the playoff pettiness i can fucking take like dude the, the bucks sixers drama is real the bucks sixers drama is real. oh yeah the Giannis baby food Gian- the dunking back to back Giannis and joel were talking we're talking some mad smack back and forth like that's what i want i want teams that have like a little bit of fu to go against each other you know like i, I want it i want 100 percent and the thing about Joel Embiid and Giannis that they have in common is that they will be fun and whatever in like interviews and and do all this stuff. When it comes to in between the lines, 
they don't care who you are. They're going to attack you as a human and as a basketball player, and they're think, not going to give think, any hex. I don't think anybody's putting a hand out there to pick up an opponent in that Oh, season. hell no. You know what I'm saying, Hell no. Brother? Oh well, yeah, I know you said it before, Duff. I also I need to see what Jokic does in this playoff series. He has to show up. Um, obviously, it's his first playoff series, so maybe he doesn't have to show up. Maybe we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. But if he does show, show up, if he does show up, that is going to be be something to watch. If he can really control a series the way he was all year, be that playmaker, average the twenty ten and seven, it's going to be really impressive. And I could also see it being tough for him to get buckets. Um, so he's going to be <clears throat> one of the guys I really need to keep an eye on as well. But, d- dude, let's be honest. The Celtics, man. You said it, Duff. You said it yourself. We have no idea. And, like, anybody, whether it's one of us, whether it's an actual, quote, expert, whether it's a former player, can say, yeah, you know, I trust his team to turn it on when it matters most or get him, them to get it together when it matters most. We can say all that. We have no clue. This team can be a dumpster fire or they can friggin dominate right to the NBA finals and neither of those two options seem unrealistic their number one team I have to watch in the playoffs I could see in one series I can see game one in Indiana they blow up and get smoked and then they win the next four straight like it's gonna be weird what happens with the Celtics for a team who's over under was set at like 62 they're not gonna win 50 games that's insane didn't That's you insane. Hammer that over? I hammered it. I locked it in. Ooh. I can't. I can't believe how like badly it's turned out. I mean, look, regular season, regular season. They show up in the playoffs. All is forgiven. Of but it, it's just kind of insane to see what what would they have to do in the playoffs for you guys to be like, okay, you know, regular season was regular season, but this year was not a disappointment. What would they have to do? First off, handle the Pacers. Five games. Five games to the Pacers. Then mm-hmm. they they either need to go seven in a hard fought series with the Bucs or just straight up beat them. If they beat the Bucs, it's all good. They could lose to the Sixers yeah, I, next I round. I need them at least in the, in, in, the, in the, you know, like a chance at the finals. Like, so if they, if they I think take, it's at least, I think it's Eastern Conference Finals minimum. So if they, if minimum. they go, and I'm still not sure. If, there, if they don't go, se- if they go seven with the Bucs and it's close, you're, you're not saying that's, that's pretty damn good. If they lose to the Bucks, you're saying? Yeah, they go not, seven with no, the Bucks. No, expectations coming into this year. No, I don't care if they go seven. I don't care if it goes in seven. It's not good enough. Uh, Sorry. All right, it's all good. You know, yeah, you know, see what it is. Well, anyways, I'm, I'm excited. Their third best player is like, well, no, that's not true. Their fourth best player is Brooke Lopez for the Bucks. Like, the, the fourth best player on the Celtics might be Jason Tatum. Like, come on. I mean, like, Jalen Brown. Lopez every day, all day. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know, man. You're like last year. The fact the Celtics, the Celtics uh, won all those playoff games last year. Like the the East was not what it is right now. These top four teams were not what they were last year. Like they're so much better. The Sixers are better. The Raptors. Yeah, but the Celtics should have gotten better. better. They got. They're getting Kyrie back in the first game. No, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying. Another year under all their young guys: Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, uh, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown. Like all. Like it doesn't. They have too many good guys. That's what it was. They needed to make a trade for Anthony Davis. It would have been ideal, but they couldn't do it. Contract situation, yada, yada, yada. We know the story. But I need at least Eastern Conference Finals minimum for this to be acceptable or for me to forgive them, basically. Right. I hear you. I hear you. And uh, playoffs start next weekend. It's going to be awesome. We're going to talk more. Uh, The three of us will be back probably – 
uh, with a new episode either Thursday or Friday this week. So hopefully you enjoyed this one. Give you a nice taste of the NBA playoffs right around the corner. I also talked a bunch of college hoops as well. And I also apologize. I'm not sure if it's been coming through the mic for the past 10 minutes, but my dog is going bonkers at somebody. <laughs> have you guys have you guys been hearing her or no? No. No, I don't think so. All right, good. Well, Bocce, I mean, all the love she needs. Yeah, my dog must have been seeing somebody outside. You know, she don't like people who wear hoods. She can't see their face. I think it freaks her out. Or anybody who has some sort of vehicle, like a, 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 push, a <laughs> anybody push, with any vehicle. No, 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 like a pushing cart or a, a scooter or a bicycle. If they're around the house too long, she doesn't like it. So she was just going wild for the past ten minutes. <laughs> Uh, Hey, Vigilant, the watchful protector. That's right. That's all we can ask for, right? That's why we got the dog. Um, Anyways, any last words from you guys before we say goodbye to the SBNY podcast today? Uh, I'm so happy that Mitchell Robinson is really good because I said that I liked him a lot and that he was going to be really good. And I threw a lot of shade at DeAndre Jordan, uh, but I actually love DeAndre Jordan, uh, and he's easily probably my favorite Nick right now wow other other than mitchell robinson i assume well i don't know i kind of love the way he came in and just like put his arm around mitchell robinson is like he's the bro where i can't wait i can't wait for you guys to give deandre jordan 10 million dollars next year and i i was i was the biggest i was talking so much and i I feel like it wasn't even shit talk at deandre but it like it usually came off as if because that's the guy i was comparing him to but then he comes here and i love him so much like i don't care pay the man Wow. No, 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 no. Don't pay the man that much. <laughs> pay the man, but he's not so that much. He's so good for Mitchell, though. Pay the Look man. How much better he's been since since Frank, DeAndre just listen. Got there, pay the man, just not that much. All right, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Like three million. Anything over seven is egregious. Word. Five million. Seven, seven and a half. There you go. Egregious. <laughs> seven million Stop. one dollar we're, we're is ha- egregious. We're not having this conversation. I'm not putting that juju into the universe. Duff, what's your last? <laughs> what's your last words? That was my last words. I am so excited for the Knicks to just like get Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, and sign back DeAndre Jordan three years, thirty million dollars. I'm very excited for that. Duffy, can you do me and get Cam Reddish? Can you do Can you do me a favor, Duff? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. What's up? Can you get the hell out of the Discord, please? Get the f out. NBA Outsiders, Sports Blog, New York Podcast, Pete Kennedy, John Lucas, Duffy, Frank Flotti. Hopefully. You just enjoyed this episode and just heard Duff escort himself out of this uh, voice chat here. Thank you, Duff. Thank you, Frank. Thank you all, mostly you, for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for more content in the coming weeks. We're going to try to do two this week. we got baseball talk around the corner, too. Shout out Pete Alonzo on the the New York Metropolitan. Hell yeah. Pete Kong, son. That's right. 